0: hey i'm polos and on this solo episode i discuss how i overcame my drug addiction the root causes of it and how going all the way to do what you love is the answer and cure for everything before you go please subscribe and like comment if you enjoy these episodes so far because it helps me spread the message and the whole algorithm catch you on the other side three two one and we're recording Good evening everybody, good afternoon, good morning, whenever, wherever you're watching Hopefully your day, morning or evening is going amazing, spreading love Today's going to be a more serious topic From my personal experience, um, we're going to talk about addictions, right? Specifically, I guess, from my personal experience, I'll talk about drug addictions and I guess through near-death experience as well. Um, I'll dive a little bit deeper into how I overcame an addiction, a drug addiction, and how I'm still addicted to various things and I guess I guess it's just a perspective and a personal story that I wanted to share and what I see today as a society you know from i think it's going to be more for men and i'm not sexist or anything i just uh, see it from other men as well and how hard and difficult it is actually for everybody uh you know especially in 2020 but um i was thinking how should i start off and i was gonna write write down a whole bunch of things but i just didn't want to i just wanted to kind of free flow about everything so um... in 2016 I started user experience design that's how I became a designer and beforehand uh... I was addicted to uh... cocaine for and I was using it regularly so we'll kind of open the conversation in that sense but um... I was using it daily uh... because the availability of it and some days i took a lot some days don't and then um, it all came to a halt with a half a dose of lsd it's like a snap of a fingers i was uh, in a room with the people that were consuming the usuals and i looked at everybody and now you know back in the day i was like wow all these losers i'm standing around but um, I guess it became a little bit softer and more empathetic and everybody was going through the same struggles, right? Everybody had their own problems. That's why we were doing it. But addiction is not only something that, you know, has to be with drugs, right? I'm pretty sure a lot of people that are listening are addicted to their phones, addicted to social media. You know, I could kind of tell who watches my stories first sometimes when I glance over and it's sort of like the repetitiveness, right? And you can kind of get familiar and you could admit it yourself right and um even even myself today I'm addicted to the phone, but tracking back right where did these addictions come from sometimes from a childhood, sometimes from traumatic traumatic experiences, you know sometimes how you're raised um, if you're if you're raised more in the sort of uh, Perfect family, and by that I mean your parents painted a, a a nice, beautiful picture. And if you're if you're familiar with Carl Jung, when we talk about the shadow, integrating the shadow, especially today in this uh, world, uh, when it comes to Christianity, you know, me and my friend Alfredo, who's a psychologist, we actually had a deep conversation before a few days ago uh, about how it's not really been dismissed but when it comes to Christianity I think we we looked at it we looked at everything as good and we kind of not brushed it away but it was sort of ignored right and it's it's a terrifying thing to integrate your shadow to honestly look at your negative side right ferocious sides and um, destructive sides especially for me personally uh, when my shadow is really destructive really and I think that's why I got diagnosed with diabetes to kind of keep me grounded and I'm using these words even though I do follow non-duality so I could say that you know there's no such thing as grounded because there is no ground same with being there's no grounding for that as well it's all the concept and perception and sensations that we've been trained to but you know addiction comes from a lot of things and looking back at my story I felt like I grew up in a very good town, you know, and I felt like it was really good there. Meaning, there wasn't any problems, and at the same time, it was always like it was always like a movie, trying to going through a school experience, trying to fit in with the cool people. You know, no one teaches us these things, so we have to. We either, you know, learn these things through tragic events or, you know, you find a teacher. And a teacher doesn't have to be a person necessarily, but a teacher has in some sort of form that kind of rings the bell in your mind. But, um, you know, growing up, I I had a lot of freedom, but at the same time, I felt like uh, my parents, uh, especially when it comes to mothers, I felt like they were too much on you like protecting your child right and that's what happens usually uh the stories that i read that kind of related to me i always see a common denominator which was the mother right they they wanted to protect the child from the outer world instead of letting them explore and then these tendencies either you know show up later in life or during those years if they get exposed to a certain group of people right influence um With me, I think it started in high school. Uh, I do believe like I was completely lost. I I I think everybody was lost. I mean, because like I said, no one teaches about these things. So I was really trying to be liked by everybody. Trying to, and I always had actually I always had like this rational mind and. Uh, where I grew up, too, there was a lot of cliques and you know different cultural, different nationalities, like the Polish people, the Lithuanians, and stuff like that, the Americans. But for me, I was I was pretty much a diplomat. I was I was in between, you know. I I liked I genuinely liked everybody. Like that's that's natural to me. That's comes from the heart. I genuinely liked everybody. I wanted to be with everybody, right? And as I got older, um. I got introduced to jiu-jitsu at 19 years old. There was a calling. And obviously, uh, Joe Rogan was a big influence because I was watching his podcast, so I got really introduced to the MMA world, especially when it comes to Eddie Bravo. And I know it's kind of funny, but it was because of him I went to train jiu-jitsu. And I completely fell in love with it. Uh, And when I look back from know like addiction point of view i think and it took a lot of tests and you know personality tests and went on deep rabbit holes but i feel like i really do like seeking adrenaline something that gets me up and that's why i think i was addicted to cocaine and the first reason why it was it was i think we connected or i wouldn't say connected with the cocaine um more of drug of my choice i think right? Some people go in a different routes. I went to the cocaine route because it kind of replicated the, um, adrenaline, right? It got me up, got me happy and, uh, rinse and repeat sort of. So now that I look back, um, how I developed all these issues was I had an opportunity to train jujitsu, to run the academy, to teach kids. And it was, uh, the whole experience itself was almost like a movie. Uh, just because of the coach that i had and everything that happened in between but i was so addicted to jiu jitsu that uh, i was running an academy i was training in the morning i was helping with the kids class i was helping with the basics class sometimes like when you think about it like four four like two to four classes every single day and sometimes in between i even went to do you know stairs strength and conditioning lift weights and I couldn't get enough of it. I just couldn't get enough of it. There was you know, when they say that you catch a jujitsu bug, you really do catch a jujitsu bug. And that I, I was uh nineteen I think through twenty, twenty one. I received my blue belts in ha- le- like less than a half a year, it was like five months, which is like three times faster than uh usual people because obviously have obligations you know you, you you only train a few times a week versus me being on the mats constantly sleeping on the mats taking a nap on the mats you know uh, meditating on the mats and rinsing and repeating that over and over again um there is a and that's why athletes have hard time retiring because there's a physiological addiction to you know routine work and to you know pushing the pain and there's something really intriguing when it comes to you know learning martial arts um, especially when things click right um and then you know from a psychological standpoint of going through the battles right every single day going through a different battle and like maybe a few days in a row you're really good and you know you have these targets at your gym that you want to kind of compare yourself to that you know that if you could tap them or if you could at least keep up with them then that gives you as a marker point that you know progression marker point that you're moving forward and progressing and some days um, as cliche as it sounds sometimes you know sometimes you're a hammer and sometimes you're a nail and it, it even gets deeper to those moments where you know you get nailed and you feel completely crappy you know you miss a basic move or you know something stupid and. You have to figure out why right is it because i overtrain so then you take these protocols of okay uh, i know that i have to still train i know that i have these responsibilities to run the academy help to run the academy but how can i balance that out right um, maybe i could just flow during the day maybe i could work specific um, specific positions right maybe just that day i'm gonna go and work off off my back maybe the other day i'm just gonna go work off the top, maybe I'm just going to go focus on, you know, defense, the other days that you feel good, maybe I'll focus on creating some sort of attacks, and it, it kind of rolls out. it's for almost every single athlete, so I think that was my first real physical and physiological addiction that I really had to jiu-jitsu, and when it came to all, to an end, the reality set in that I had to get a job you know, I had to make money, my parents were on my ass, I had bills to pay Um, and I think the job that I took kind of influenced that as well because most of the people around me that worked at the same job they were kind of into the same things which was like more of a materialistic lifestyle, going to bars and uh, just kind of repetitive stuff, Monday through Friday work and then you know start drinking uh, go to a bar, eat something, and I'm, and I got to remind you again, I'm type 1 diabetic, right? For me, even today, I can't really eat crappy consecutive days in a row because it takes me like like a few days afterwards to get out of that slump. So I got introduced into that lifestyle, and obviously when you're young, when you get introduced to bigger paychecks, and then you see your friends in, you know, which bachelor's degrees or even in school, they're not even making half. The amount of money or like you feel good, right? It kind of scratches your ego and at that at that age you kind of don't even know what ego is. But so that started happening working five days a week. Um I was still going to jujitsu, just a different academy. We had a breakdown. I'll probably have a story for that too because that's that's a movie for itself. You will Some of the things that I've been through in Jiu Jitsu is just It's literally like a movie and you guys will get blown away, but... Jujitsu started slowly fading away And, you know, I turned to... Not necessarily drinking because I didn't really like... Drinking too much Just because of acid reflux and just how shitty I felt But, um... There was a day where, you know, we picked up a bag of cocaine uh and and i'm not going to lie like it was fun like whoever whoever says you know they had bad times with cocaine or you know the whole experience maybe it was a negative experience but i enjoyed it and it caught on to me and uh, at that point we had uh a constant uh supplier to get it at any time and at one point I remember it was kind of crazy because it was easier to find than weed, right? Everybody could find weed almost at this point especially, Um, just because it's legal too but just saying back in the day too, somebody always had weed, there was always a weed dealer in somebody's phone or you know going through a few people you gotta reach the person that you need to reach but cocaine just became more available and um, the side effects of cocaine obviously they I guess raises your mood up and the alcohol goes down like water so you kind of want to if you want to prolong the um, what's called the effects or not have them come up and down you drink and you know I'm not a fan of vodka or anything like that Uh, it's just too strong for me and I just never enjoyed it drinking it straight and when it comes to cocaine, everything just started going down like water and um I started consuming it. It started off just by weekends. then it started off by you know Thursdays, Thursday Thursdays, whatever, going to a local bar there, you know, grabbing a few baggies beforehand, just sitting there, killing beers, and then maybe ending up smoking a pack of cigarettes. And then maybe ending up at somebody's house doing more cocaine. And then it's Thursday, then it's Friday, then it's Saturday. And then, you know, it got to a point where it was even Sunday, you know, having it during daytime, cooking barbecue. And um, naturally, cocaine is an appetite suppressant. But you kind of build up a tolerance where that doesn't happen anymore, right? Some of the people that take Adderall, they kind of tell you that they can't eat or, or different types of amphetamines that... Um, it's a appetite suppressant but for me it got to the point where it just didn't really matter. I still wanted I was still hungry and I still wanted to eat but it started like I said, it started just on weekends, then it started Wednesdays and then it got to a point where I was dealing at one point selling uh cocaine. There was a short period of time where I just had it all the time on me, so I was doing it constantly. Monday through Sunday pretty much. Um and then there's so much there's so many you know agents cutting agents involved in cocaine that you kind of never know what you're getting and i've done so much that i could tell you to be honest that maybe a handful of times out of the three years i've done that it was like pure cocaine that you see in the movies or something like that or the pure version but it's always mixed with some sort of agents just because of profit margins for you know the the first guy that gets it, the second guy, and then the third guy that, you know, puts it on the streets. So they're always, it kind of goes through that um, cycle. And obviously doing it with different people, from different people, you get to experience, and you kind of get familiar what, what agents it carries in there. So we started doing it seven days. It was me and my friend. We started almost doing it every single day after work, and... the thing about it is that it's not just the substance itself it takes over literally your life most of the drugs do like when you when you hear about drug stories it's it's more than just the substance itself they're just like oh stop doing you know heroin stop doing cocaine stop doing crack it's not even that because you start planning around it and if i go to work I plan around it what i'm going to do after work it, it's around the drug the substance it's not the substance itself it's the planning right you're already perceiving in the future what you're going to be doing your body is already expecting that and then once you finally get in it's like a reward system and it was a big loop and imagine then doing 24/7 every single day planning around it right hey what are you doing tonight to go grab a beer you want to come through and do a few lines you know and this and then you know it got to a point where um you needed some sort of uh calm down too right most of the people that take cocaine they take like usually like xanax or something else to calm down or some sort of other opioid or you know marijuana and the funny thing is that even even back then, when I was at the peak, consuming it, uh, cannabis did help me a lot because whenever I consumed cannabis, like I didn't really want to do it anymore, like I was just very peaceful and I was in a good state of mood and state of mind and I just didn't want to break that but um sometimes those agents the calm down was actually worse than uh, than anything uh I felt like. It felt like all these sensations were spitting around you, right? All these emotion sensations, like, what am I going to do? Like, I uh, just got to go home. Should I go here? Maybe I should call up somebody else. And it's like this kind of ongoing thing. It's almost every single day. And then, you know, everything else suffers around you. You're like, you lose a lot of weight. You start feeling crappy. And it's a repetitive it's a repetitive game so you go from one addiction to another except mine turned out to be a little bit worse than you know being addicted to a sport and um it got to a point where i was going to quit naturally just because i was just feeling shitty overall like not you know personally um but more of um in a sense that I just felt dirty like and Specifically, what I mean by dirty is that, like, just the weird smell from your body, like my pores and, you know, oily face and just, like, how your sweat smells. It's, like, you kind of notice these things because it's something natural to you, right? And eventually, I was, like, going to do it naturally, like, quit naturally because I was just having enough. Like, I was, I saw myself that I'm not moving anywhere, spending all my paychecks on, uh, you know, drugs and going to bars and, you know, eating out. Not healthy. You got to remember that I'm type one diabetic, uh, and you know, at one point, I mean, we were consuming. Me and my friend were consuming at least an eight ball to a quarter every single day, and that's by measurements. That you know, that's that definitely took away years of my life. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And I'll admit it. Um, but it got to a point where. I needed something else to calm down because, you know, the that, that was the worst thing because when you run out of cocaine during the night and if your dealer is sleeping or you know you have nowhere to go, you're like fuck. Now I have to go home. It's just you don't want you kind of. For me personally, I never wanted the nights to end, and we'll talk about the stories of uh, nights never ending. But um, one night, uh, out of nowhere, we received a whole. Prescription bottle of Xanax, and these were bars, right? The wrappers today wrap about bars, and these were non-generic versions. They was called um, bananas, I think, yellow bananas. So they're yellow bars. They're like the strongest ones, I guess. And um, I knew that a lot of people take opioids, Xanax, and everything else to calm down off cocaine. And it was my first time ever uh, taking it, um, but it took way more than I needed to. And that's why we're kind of nearing to the near-death experience. So, I think I took, I want to say four or five Xanax, or even maybe even a little bit more. And that's that's sort of a tipping point where you should be, you know, ODing. But uh, God bless that I didn't. So uh, we took it, and I was driving home. It was a snowstorm. Uh, it was really cold. Started feeling crazy, like, all over the place. And right before all the Xanax, I guess, all the dosages that I took kicked in, Um my tire blew off, and I pulled over to a gas station, and that's where I blacked out. But it was nice that I blacked out in my car Uh without me being on the road. So that was a sign that, that was a near-death experience as well. Obviously, I got transferred to an emergency room. I was in IBs. You know, I had to go through a long case. But that was the first near-death experience because when you look at it from that perspective, that's something that... It's it's not something that you should be proud of, but when I look at it from that, it was definitely God saving me, you know. Um, I even have a New Testament here with me. I've been reading this a lot. But it was definitely God saving me because I think I was not only saved... Me personally, like myself, uh, but I probably saved somebody else's life too because you never knew if I would have blacked out behind the wheel. Maybe I would have went on the oncoming uh, traffic, hit somebody. Maybe I would have killed that person. You know, what if it was a, what if it was a baby? You know, and I mean just the human itself, right? But it, like when you think about a ba- a baby, a kid, that's a child's. Um, that's God's children, right? Uh, it even says in the Bible, like, don't mess with the God's children. When you think of those things, uh, it really makes you look at everything differently. And then uh, the second, second sort of relapse happened really fast because um, uh, it came almost to a halt at one day where I took psychedelics, um, and it was like a half a dose of LSD and in a flick of my fingers i was like what am i doing with my life like it showed me so much and it gave me such it's such powerful insights that it made me rethink within like just flick of the fingers like i said within within a few minutes i was i was done right and then the second time on the whole relapse which ended uh that was like a three month period i was clean for about half a year and then it was like a really fast roller coaster so I started hanging out with the people again and then uh, one night two nights in a row I was up for 48 hours so I was partying for 48 hours stuff that you hear in Hollywood you know Charlie Sheen Mike Tyson but partying for 48 hours barely had any sleep maybe like few intervals of naps in between and um, I was driving home and I fell behind the I fell asleep behind the wheel and I ran into my neighbor's uh front brick um what is it called? Porch patio where the flowers are and the rocks and stuff like that and I lived in a pretty nice neighborhood. So it was a pretty nice house with a nice, I guess, front garden. Uh and it was embarrassing because, you know, I knocked on the door, I was like, Hey, I'm sorry I crashed into it and it was like 12 o'clock at night and you know it was weird for the neighbor as well but it was really embarrassing so that was the last time that i knew that the third time there's definitely not going to be another time because that was the second time already right uh, near-death experience and I could have fell asleep again by behind the wheel hit somebody on coming traffic maybe ran off the road completely killed myself but i didn't right that was uh that was sort of like a really fast roller coaster that took a few months to and give me a slap on the face and a bill you know and uh to pay for my car and the front lawn for my neighbors uh after that uh and that's why i really that's why i really 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 uh, i guess connected with jordan peterson when he says your room that's like a famous phrase that he got um famous for but i really did um even after the first time after the whole experience of you know going to the emergency room coming home the first thing I did was And I still have the journalists too The first thing I did was I went in my room I cleaned out all the shit that I really didn't need to I threw it out I wiped everything I made everything perfect And I think that's where it kind of started it, Like this cleanliness Routine work Started really enjoying it Journaling every single day So that, that was the second time as well After that happened I was like Okay, not only am I going to clean my room But I have to kind of just acquire a new healthy habit for me to keep my mind clear and at that point i was not addicted anymore to cocaine because like i said it made me realize too that after so many thousands of times that i've snorted cocaine that you know like only a handful of times that i've done anything good and i'm not saying if it's good cocaine you should go do it but when it is just telling you when it comes to these drugs how they get you know brought to our cities from these people you never know what you know they're getting mixed with and cut with all these agents they use, you know you could I have friends who died uh just by relapsing and you know taking something that was crossed and you know a few of my buddies uh passed away like that, but um I was already completely off of that. I was like, okay, uh, we need to make a big I think a big jump in my life and do something new, and um, I really didn't know what I was gonna do, right? Um, obviously, to this day, uh, jujitsu still like the foundational uh, lens that I look through, um, and then that's where I came across design in 2016. But and I was completely, and this is where it kind of like these addictions, I guess, these habits, these loops in your head that you have, um, they cross over, right? To to everything else that you do but you just have to kind of put in the positive you have to establish a positive habit instead of a negative instead of me snorting cocaine all day, um I had to learn. I was addicted to learning. Uh now that I look back, I was I was driving to school to Chicago every day from suburbs, uh, downtown, uh, about hour and a half back and forth. So about three to three and a half, sometimes even four hours a day, I spent the traffic. Uh I wanna say during a week, I used to go through podcasts, I used to just chew them up and through audiobooks, that's when they started coming out more, started becoming popular um... I was just going through books and I think that's where my brain started shifting really in a different direction because I was consuming so much that my perspective was just getting stretched to completely the edge and. This just shows you, right, like, I have an, an immense ambition when it comes to learning something or doing something, especially when I'm passionate about right? Um, so that was the first, like, really good experience when it came to uh, turning off the negative side, I guess, the shadow, um, acknowledging it too, knowing that you were an addict. Knowing you know and still I am an addict, like everybody is but I still consider myself an addict because I'm aware of these tendencies that I have, but I'm navigating through my light right through love versus through the shadow, even though it's integrated now because I'm aware of everything and I'm pretty confident and you know uh vulnerable to these things and I just talk about vulnerability and all that stuff but i'm I'm just aware of it, and you know my tendencies even now when um even now in something you let's say if I'm stressed a little bit more on that, I'll probably turn to food. Um, I have a weird I have a weird I guess digestion when it comes to carbs. I could just devour pretty much anything and, you know even even when I go to a restaurant, like I eat too fast, right? That's a tendency, that's a negative tendency. Like I always finish a plate before everybody else versus I'm like, damn, how do these people eat so slow? But then you look at it myself, I'm like, damn, I'm just an animal. Like I should probably chew my food, enjoy it a little bit more. It's like these affirmations that I guess you create yourself Or these loops that you have to intercept um, To this day These are just some, some of the things that I'm aware of That came from that addiction Right um, And now when you look at it In today's world You know we got devices We got everything stimulating um, You got you know social media Especially getting likes And then there's so much too. it's almost like a different involvement uh... And that's what we're going to talk about like cannabis and all these things you know meditation psychedelics uh... and this is from my personal experience i'm not telling you to go do these things but even now um, i was a regular smoker for the past five years i would say uh, working out and that was my pre-workout uh... sometimes i obviously used to mix it um, but even even pre work I was addicted to supplements. I was addicted because there was a psychological like a psychological push that I needed that right. But now that I look back and I actually stopped smoking completely a few weeks ago, something just turned off of me. And I haven't smoked. I haven't touched any cannabis over two weeks now already. Um, I've been reading and I've been clearly thinking and you know my past tendencies. What did I used to tell myself? And, and just from a honest standpoint, as a lot of people say that you know cannabis makes them creative oh i need this but why do you really need this like me and my friend actually on the previous podcast as we talked about it it's like everything is available here right now but we just have so many layers built up that we don't want to acknowledge it right or we look at it from a reductionist point of you know philosophical point of view like oh it's just the way it is uh, and that's why when it comes to addiction, is it's it's really hard to po- pinpoint to one thing, right? And when people use that approach to, you know, reducing everything down to, it, this is what it is, oh, this is what everybody else is doing, right? No, this is not what everybody else is doing. It's sort of like um, establishing a subjective point in an objective way. That's where you could talk about it openly, right, being vulnerable to it. But now that I look at it, I was constantly, you know, Smoking throughout the day and you've heard the stories Like, hey, I'm just gonna, you know, drive to the store Smoke a bowl, like come back, smoke a bowl You know, uh, it's always in between So these are, you know, you have to be honest to yourself And look at these tendencies that they're not healthy And then what happens around cannabis, right? You plan around it And it's not the substance itself then It becomes the planning, the habits, right? The daily routines, the practice, the conditioning That you get attached to And then that's why it's really hard for some people or, you know, especially the cannabis enthusiasts, they'll, they'll tell you that, look like, no, no, man, I need it, you know, it just it gives me more creativity. And it's like, no, you don't need it. You probably need to go sit and meditate for two hours. You probably need, like, honest self-inquiry and go through that repetitive work every single day, right, doing yoga, mantras. Um, once you're able to, I guess, peel these layers away in an honest way, you're able to see it clearly that, hey, none of these things really I need right like even now like when I look at cannabis I work in the cannabis industry for the past two years so I've met so many personalities and um one thing that pisses me off is psychedelics are you know becoming a prominent topic and it's sort of like adjacent industry to cannabis and hemp everybody that works in cannabis has consumed or is somehow involved um in psychedelics but you know uh When somebody plainly says from that point of view, like the reductionist point of view, he's like, oh, yeah, we should just legalize everything and everybody should just take this and you're going to be fine. Like, uh, no, uh, you're probably not going to be fine. And there shouldn't be a dispensary in every single corner uh, of the street. And they're like, oh, replace the liquor store. They're always going to be there. But you shouldn't open up a dispensary on every single corner of the street. That's not healthy. And that's coming from a cannabis worker in the industry for the past few years. Um, Because there's going to be negative tendencies. There's more than just, you know, look at plain statistics like, oh, it's been suppressed and, you know, and it's been um, illegal and, you know, everybody wants it. But there's really, it's almost like the substance itself does something to you and a lot of people are uh, addicted to cannabis. Like, I know a lot of people that couldn't go without a few days and be like, dude, I was feeling so weird. Yeah, you go through withdrawals. Like I went through a withdrawal for almost a week. Um, the first three days were extremely hard. I couldn't sleep. Um, I had diarrhea. I always had like digestion issues for some reason when I come off cannabis. And um, I was, you know, a little bit more tense. Uh, my shoes were a lot shorter. I had negative thoughts. I had very negative dreams. Uh, dark dreams, like nightmares almost um especially like last week I've had just i mean the devil was hanging on the cross, you know, and that was it was like my dark side, right and then I had um then it kind of started getting better where my dreams kind of started shifting towards i guess an unconscious message being delivered to me, so it was like more of a spirit animal like I saw a black panther and all that and um. I went through a huge withdrawal, and then after three days, after you kind of get through or maybe four days, or sometimes even a week, uh, you get through the last stages, and um, you go through this, I guess, feeling like a little bit of emptiness, and for me personally, the last, like the first four days, going through diarrhea, bad dreams, the second days were like energy levels were not stable, Like I was up and down during the day, like I crashed for not even like a 30, 40 minute nap. I'm talking about like two, three hours in the middle of a day, right? And then I knew that I'm messing up my sleep for the evening, right? Because I'm taking those hours away. I'm not going to want to sleep till midnight and then I'm going to wake up at 10 o'clock already versus, you know, me trying to wake up a little bit earlier uh, to do something more productive in the morning because mornings I feel like there's some sort of uh, energy that really helps me get stuff done. But now that you look at it and, you know, that's why I don't... Some of my friends too I, I spoke to them And I told them I was like dude and They gave me the same answer He's like oh it makes me creative Like no dude I need to smoke And this and this And I'm like no you don't You just don't want to admit it Because you have You're stubborn That's your ego And you're not looking Clearly through the picture That you don't really need You have everything Available right in front of you And then if you're thinking That it's going to make it better That's already Means that you're Missing something And you're not there Um and I was, uh, you know, I was going through stages as well in the past few months. I was like, mm, maybe I should consume psychedelics, and I probably will, you know, but uh, for personal reasons. But I was like seeking it so hard that I was, I almost lost myself into it. I'm like, why am I seeking this? Instead, I just picked up a book, started reading more about meditation, started podcasting, um, started reading the Bible, the New Testament, not the Bible, New Testament. Uh, this one I picked up. This is very special. It was printed in 1849, and this is so powerful beyond words that I started, you know, establishing empathy and feeling uh, what my grandparents, you know, felt when they said these words and some, sometimes they're cheesy, you know, and they said like, Jesus, you know, you need Jesus in your life. And now I totally understand these people. And, you know, I developed a different type of perspective to these, you know, YouTube channels who, whether it's, um, you know, Christian channels or just spiritual channels. And it was funny because uh after that started happening i started having more synchronicities and just more positive outcomes in my life in the past few months especially like oh it changed completely but um going back to the points of addiction is that it's not the the substance itself or the object itself it's around it right because you're always building around it you're conditioning your the habits the schedule how you're directing your energy to it and the, you're feeding the reward system right you're feeding the wolf as well how you react when you do it how you feel after what you do during and then and you know you get so clouded i think the worst thing with cannabis was for me as well was that you get so high or your tolerance builds up to a point where you feel like indifferent and that's very dangerous because you can't tell between high and the sober the thinking Right. And that's why um, a few of my friends got irritated when I told them, I was like, dude, you shouldn't be smoking like every single day. And I'm like, why are you lining up a blunt every single evening? Like you don't need that. And I was like, oh, it's going to make me creative. I'm like, Creat- creativity is just subjective. It's all in the process. If you tell yourself you're going to need it, you're already setting up that step that you need something. And when you step back a little bit and when you tell yourself, wait. I have everything available in my hand. So, what I started doing recently um started um meditating a lot, journaling a lot and even drinking a little bit less coffee. Like sometimes in the evening I still do, I don't know if it's it's conditioned in my body just being European. A lot of uh, foreigners that I notice drink coffee in the evenings, but even coffee, you know, I just have one coffee in the morning at a specific time, at like nine o'clock or something. Uh, I have I have these loops set up to keep me kind of going, right? And naturally, I developed like resistance to coffee because a lot. Of, I know a lot of people that drink coffee, and uh, you could say that it's healthy. And you know, you could you could you could uh, have like a biased view of like, hey, uh, looked at the studies, you know, drinking four or five cups a day. You know, it helps you prevent cancer and all this But it's not really good because it's a stimulative drug, right? You want to you wanna take yourself from everything that stimulates you, right? You want to experience the calmness and everything And going back to the topic of addictions I feel like a huge part that contributed to it was um, Not doing what I really liked, right? And I think we're going to move into the second phase of the podcast Talk about how... I notice from a lot of people they turn to substances or just bad habits, Uh, develop bad habits is because they don't take the step in the direction that they want to and you already know what you want. You can kind of imagine, just sit back and imagine what you wanted in your life, what you wanted to do and look at all the biases and the layers that you have to peel away in order to get there, because, you know, you're going to have a lot of objections before, like, oh, this, yeah, this is stupid, this is, oh, uh, yeah, this is too hard, uh, this is that, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, this is my parents, you're going to start blaming a lot of things, and I notice that, which is, which is fear, right, it's, it's telling you that you're not ready, especially when people try to seek for perfection, which is an illusion itself, that's just a good cover-up to tell yourself that. I'm just going to do it when it's good, right? Like, I'm using uh, a freaking six-year-old webcam that I had for my old streaming days, and this is an HD still, pretty good quality, I would say, and I'm really happy with the results that I get. Um, you know, this is a pretty budget setup. This is, it might look cool because, you know, you can you can mask these things when it comes to, you know, doing what I do, podcasting. But... When it comes to, you know, when I said when I developed these addictions, I think because I got, I was scared to take a step and you know, when it's our lizard brain when you, when you go into the unknown or when you don't know something, right? The unknown, uh, the lizard brain tells you, you kind of wish for the worst things to happen, right? The worst things are going to happen and why you can't do something and all these objections and you're going to find a way and then you're going to go along with it. And uh, it's going to become the reality because this, when you say no, the habits, they're just going to be conditioned to you. they be like, oh, I've tried it so many times, but I couldn't do it. Well, talk about how have you tried it. Talk about your strategy. Um, what happened before, right? How have you, like, what kind of mindset did you approach it with? What happened then? You know, why did you do this? And when you kind of go through like a therapeutical session with your friend or somebody that you know, you kind of quickly figure out that it's all in their head, like most of the time, 90% of the time, it's mostly in your head, um, and like I said, I felt like I wanted to do something, and um, one of the first psychedelic experiences that I had was really bad ego death, uh, where I fell into lava and pissed my pants, but uh, the whole aspect was right before the father spirit kicked me in uh into the flowing lava and i knew that i was dying like on the trip it was so real that they told me i'm like you're gonna die take these things with you before we kick you in this lava before you die right the ego death and i remember it was uh jiu it was podcasting because i started hearing one of my influencers obviously in, in the beginning was joe rogan um, and then the second one I, I want to say was like, sometime with creating, and I think it was design. That's why I found design. It was just, it comes naturally, right? It was meant to be. Um, and after the trip, like I, I turned away from it, right? Because I was scared, like, oh, who's gonna, who's gonna listen to this podcast? Uh, you need to be so good. You need to be famous to do this and you need to do this and that. And then, you know, I took a different swing and in, instead of pursuing something that I'm passionate about, um, you go the opposite way, right? You start loving the shadow. And um, my friend Alfredo, the psychologist, we had a good conversation. He said, you can't serve two masters. You have to learn how to integrate it and serve one master. Which towards the end, it's always the light to love. Because that's creation. Um, versus the shadow is the destruction. But it's it's sort of like a analytical, and logical point of view that you can integrate with. and. I think that's why the addiction started happening not only from me being addicted to sports and you know enjoying what I did every single day which was training jiu-jitsu like absolutely loving it every day to, still to this day I wake up there hasn't been in the past 7 years that I have not thought about jiu-jitsu any day there hasn't been a day that I skipped there hasn't been a a, a week I think that I have not watched the jiu-jitsu video that's on that level like I'm addicted on that level and it's something that brings me joy, right? So it's better to do something that, in a in a positive way, that brings you joy, versus you know, going to snort um, eight ball of cocaine during the night and drinking a case of beer each, or even more, um, and then eating crappy and all that stuff. So, and even now, I was uh, sort of resisting myself. You know, I was pivoting with my company, with Canabetic, um, on a kind of the last stages of. Something that I've always wanted was to launch different products not only you know being a service provider design services um, b2 b business but actually having a physical product and when I put down the uh, cannabis almost three weeks ago I started noticing these shifts that and when I talked with Alfredo that he told me he's like you're probably going through um, a psychological rut and it seems that you're in love with the shadow and the light right the positive The love side And um, You can't serve two masters You just have to integrate it But Love always wins Because it's the truth Right Truth always penetrates Through everything And um, I started shifting that And that's why I started Recording more podcasts Because it brings me joy And I feel like For a lot of people Bad habits develop Addictions develop Because they shy away From what they want And you really I think everybody, you know, and there's, and I'm not limiting anybody, but it's there is proof that by time you're 30, you could learn anything. Like you know, Gary Vee says you could start everything new at a certain age, but by the time you're 30, you should have some sort of skill developed, right? Some even even soft skills that no one even teaches us to work on. You know, we brush these things off as such as sales, marketing, and all this stuff, but these things are important and. You have to look at it from a fun lens. This is all a dance. This is all a game. Just join the dance. And, you know, sometimes you might look goofy dancing, but once you learn to dance, you kind of go with the rhythm. You flow, right? And that's the whole thing. Um, when you look at Buddhists or Tibetans, you know, uh, from a Hindu perspective, right, um, it's all one major cosmic dance. And even Alan Watts, I think, people that listen to him, but... Everybody at at least my age that I know ideally kind of have a perspective of what they want to do or what they want, like live an ideal life, right? Your daily, when you imagine of the things that you want to wake up every single day and what you want to do, everybody has some sort of picture. Maybe it's not clear yet. Maybe it's fuzzy. And you have to take the steps in order to you know uncover that a little bit more, so you could probably communicate it better um but it's always because I do believe one major addition to addiction is us shying away from what brings us really joy because of the fear of giving a shit about somebody else's opinion or failures, right because we were conditioned to almost not fail right during the high school some like i was one of the worst students in high school top three which a lot of people don't even know top top three students in high worst students in high school every semester somehow i was still conditioning or conditioned you know to know deep down that i'm not going to fail even though you know someone's going to write an f on my report card counselors or some teacher is going to take care of it and that's what happened, right? And then we're conditioned to the same processes where you become a cog in the wheel, especially if you're in the system, working the same job that you don't like, that just brings you in money. And like I said in the previous podcast beforehand, for me, not be, not bloating or anything, systematic work is too easy for me because I'll figure out and um, I'll want to move up in a positions and most of the time you can't move up because of, you know, political reasons within the job or, you know, Whatever whatever the job reasons are, and for me it was you know once I move up to a certain level and I want to do something else, explore something else within the company, which I did with the previous companies, um, I'll become a tyrant, I'll become a rebel, and I'll fight against the system, and I'll probably just quit. And you know now looking back, I quit like in a very shitty way. I just stopped showing up to work most of my jobs, but because they didn't provide any joy for me, right? And and I know sometimes you have to, sometimes you do have to go through these shitty periods of time where you have to you know work a job that you don't want to but at the same time you have to really be really dedicated strict to yourself and really have a commitment of whatever free time you have after work dedicated to the thing that you want to do so just going back over all topics of of that perspective of you know you have a lot of layers to peel away until you start doing something you like right and you could start doing it right away taking small little progressive steps towards something um this podcast is going to evolve into something else and when i think about it you know uh i made a pledge now that i'm not going to stop doing it no matter what like it brings me so much joy that i just can't uh and you know all these guests that i have coming on they're just so inspirational for me too as well and reading these books and um one of the guests that I'm going to have on, he mentioned something on one of the podcasts, is that what is the point, like, um, I think my girlfriend sent me something too, like Japanese shinshi, 4-2 or something, the meaning of life is death, right? And not necessarily death when you get buried, but putting things away, right? Putting, letting those things just die, the things that don't serve you anymore. And why not take extreme step towards something that you like because it's all it's all the same thing the ending is the same for everybody whether it's soon or whether it's later the same we're gonna have the same ending that's the whole point Um, life ends the same way the death is the ultimate uh i guess pinnacle for life the meaning but why not go all the way like what do you have to lose really in this life and i understand why and you take precautions and stuff like that but you also like have to look at it from a paradoxical point of view as well that even though you feel like you're moving into a spiritual world and all this and awakenings and going through you know the first dharmas um disillusionments and you know the stream entry which is like very scary for some people especially when you start meditating the stream entry. When you start peeling away, when you don't know anything, you don't, you have this false identity of yourself, who you were, and then towards the end when you peel everything away and you notice that you're just, you're just a flesh, even the spirit itself is just a concept of everything, it's just, you're in the flesh of this body, navigating through all these sensations. And when you kind of get to that point where there's no, apologize my alarm clock, Speaking of alarm clocks too, you need to have a really um alarm clock that doesn't bother you. You can't have a crazy alarm clock like a iPhone uh, emergency ring. You know, you gotta have something calm that doesn't just get you out of bed like a crazy person, you know. That's why I have like birds chirping in the morning. But anyways, um going back to the topic of um peeling everything away once you get there You can start finally rebuilding yourself how you imagine yourself. And even that, rebuilding yourself is a concept because once you peel everything away, you kind of notice that you can't attach yourself to everything. Uh, But um, doing the things that bring you the most joy, the most love, that you feel like you could radiate that message to somebody else, I think those are the most important uh, points that I can make and talk about because, like I said, I was... I, and I'm still dealing I mean I'm not perfect Or I'm not You know Nowhere near that I imagine to be The ideal self But I guess the question For you is like Why not go all the way Like what And I don't want to use Cliche terms Like it's only one life But towards the end Like we're going to The same ending Like we're going Towards the same Ending point So why not Actually push to the extreme See where you're capable Of Learning skills um, You know it's sort of, it's paradoxical because it's the same it's the same thing that you're gonna shy away from it's the same thing exactly you know, going through fears and you know, uh, emotions and all these, you know, self-talks and, well, I have to do this first in order to do that well, you've already had these experiences beforehand you know, you've already went through the embarrassments you know you've already been there. Like, school was a pretty much a huge learning phase for a lot of people, right? A lot of people went through the phases of trying to fit in, being cool, with clicks and all that stuff, but towards the end, it's like, why not? Why not just do what you wanted to do, right? And some people are, are gonna come up with a Jeff. I love this one. It's like, it's easy for you to tell because you're there. Yeah, but no one saw how much time and work I had to put in in order to get this um, where I'm at right now where I feel like I'm really appreciative of um, the position I'm in but I know because it's the reality of things and even the reality is a concept if you look at it but from a, I guess when I try to verbalize and communicate this to you from a, a reality point of view I ask myself like what's next because there is going to be struggles it's that's what life is about there's going to be you know, there's going to be problems where, you know, you feel like you're at the pinnacle of something and, you know, something, there's going to be bigger problems to go after, right? So those bigger problems um, require better solutions, right? So that means it's improving yourself and most of the time it's it's through self-improvement, self-development, whether it's meditation, whether it's, you know, uh, self-inquiry, like journal, I call it journalization, uh, doing something that provides you, you know, I guess stimulates the hormones in a positive way, whether it's, you know, going on a healthy diet, going on the run, going on a walk, just do something that starting small even doing something that brings you joy that complements to the bigger picture. And like I said, um we all we all have that, but um that's like I said, my favorite thing is people are like, Oh, it's easy to you to it's easy for you to say, Well, Yeah, it is, because near-death experience change you. And I'm not saying to go seek near-death experience, but sometimes maybe you do need to through psychedelics or through some sort of other explorations like meditation, because meditation itself, you can get to such a deep level and bring it down to this where I'm able to see completely through everything. Sometimes when I look through everything, it's just... It, it it just amazes me when I look, you know, when I look across the room and I've seen 360 around me and it's, 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 it's something that I can't really explain. It's something that you have to go on your personal journey, but um, don't brush it off. You know, where I'm at, I had a lot of sacrifices as well and a lot of people did as well and you will have a lot of sacrifices that you have to make, but at the stage where I'm at right now, I guess you're kind of at that honeymoon or personally i'm at that honeymoon stage where i'm really happy with everything what's going on and uh, because in the past few months you know i went through my personal i guess ups and downs as well um rethinking the future but i gave up a lot of things in order to have this and you know it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies and sunshine every single day there was points you know where you're at the point where you're so broke that you're almost gonna live at a you know out of your car or be homeless, and you know, the many times it happened instead of taking the safe route, and that's what it is. It's believing in that thing, doing whatever you can to go after it. And That's what I said. Why not go all the way? Like, what's 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 the point, right? And I don't want to sound like Charles Bukowski, because I I kind of I kind of started to. I hate those generic videos, and or maybe because I've listened to them many times. Right, it's all subjective and biases. So, um, wow, we're an hour. That went by fast. So, if I guess the biggest takeaway for you from this episode is to question yourself: what is stopping you? And being really honest with yourself, what is stopping you? Because all the time you're in your own way. I'm mean, gonna you take your full responsibility of your own choices and the position that you're at. You kind of stop getting angry at blame, you know, and blaming other things. So I think my question to you is like, what's stopping you from doing what you want? And also. Stay away from everything that's stimulating you, you know. You have to look from an honest perspective in your notions that you raise up. Like, oh, this is this is making me more creative. Oh, this is going to help me, you, this and that. Try to keep away from anything that you feel like is sort of like stimulating you in a negative way, right? Being on your phone all day, well, you look at, it, you, you know, we have these things now that we could look at the time that we spend on the phone. um, And look at it from an honest point of view that... Hey, I should probably, if I'm spending, you know, what do people do? spend now a few hours a day on Instagram? So during the week, it's usually like 14 hours. In two weeks, it's a full day, a full day to work on something that you really love. Those things compound over time, and that's why um, I have this book, The One Thing, it's like a domino effect where the big blocks of you know the big challenges that you see from companies or if you call them the dominoes they were knocked they were knocked over by the smallest domino that started in the beginning which is like a tiny little speck right so you have to look at it from always like a double edged sword is not just like a reductionist point of view like oh i'm just too lazy I'm not going to do this but like i said Spending two hours every single day on Instagram And then when you add those up It's like wait in two weeks you've had one full day 24 hours to contribute to something Positive And um, The third thing Go Go contribute small steps And look at it from an honest point of view Try to get yourself away from him. Everything's stimulative, right? Stop seeking these things. Are you, why do you seek, you know, to smoke a bowl in the evening? Is it going to make me sleep better? Or is it, is it going to make you sleep better, or is it something that you've already established as tolerance towards cannabis, and you know your your habit, your body, your physiological state is addicted to it, and that's what you're telling yourself it's going to make you sleep better. You know, uh, well, you have to suffer through maybe a little bit for the first few days, maybe a week to get off of it. And you're going to see that your sleep is way better. You know, you have to smoke a little bit or have to do this a little bit to gain creativity. No, you have creativity here. You just haven't accessed yet. You have these layers in front of you that you tell yourself that you need something. As soon as you tell yourself that you need something, um, you're not there. You have layers built up. So that's your duty to peel away these layers until you get to nothing start rebuilding yourself like i said start putting small things together smaller steps and go at it and um friends come and go uh i think the best advice too is don't feel like you need you have the responsibility over somebody right to save them because that's not your responsibility the path that has been caught for you, you're the only wa- you are the only one that's going to walk on that road, right? I think that's from a Grateful Dead song. My path is my path. You can't walk on my path, right? I'm the one that's going to fall on my path. You're the one that's going to fall on your path. It's very strong words. And when you accept that, when, when you take the steps on your own path, you sort of lose everything else around you and you see what's really important. And like I said, um, Stay around good people. Friends come and go. Don't feel the responsibility to always help everybody to go after. You know, because everybody's going to disappoint you. Because your expectations of them are different than their personal expectations. There's you know, there's healthy expectations and there's negative ones where you're trying to feed something to other person. And the, the ending point is that they're not there yet. So it's not... Sometimes... You can try to be the teacher and if you're at the right moment and if you know the message is the teacher or whatever it is or whatever you lead them on to learn from it but most of the time they won't. So it's your own duty. It's our own personal duty to, I guess, seek that out and when a teacher ready, it appears. So go after it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you finish words finish the whole podcast please uh leave a comment below let me know what you think uh let me know if you could relate to some of the topics that i talked about um obviously don't forget to subscribe like share so this youtube algorithm helps me grow a little bit um and enjoy the rest walk your own path catch you on the other side